Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Peter Piper picked a peck of pictures. Cecilia, hmm? we're, we're done with the testing. Oh, we are? We are actually Oh, oh sorry. Live. <laughs> we are on recording. Oops. We are in the room. Oh, we are... right. Right. Hello, everyone. Hi, everyone. See what I got to put up with? See what I got to put up with. Hey, I resemble that comment. Yes, you do. Uh, I don't think either of us should be a stand-up comedian for <laughs> our main job. <laughs> no. Not sure we should do this for our main job either, but we're having fun. That's right. And we... And guess what? What? We have a letter. From the inbox. Today's letter is from Corey. Hi, Corey. Corey writes, I've noticed lately that you sometimes keep doing podcasts about Joseph. Why is this? Good question. Thanks, Corey. There's actually a couple reasons. I mean, some people will go, well, duh, it's in the book of Genesis. But that is true. It is the last 14 chapters, almost a good third of the book. But there's more to it than that. In these, we see Joseph first as a young boy who hadn't learned to keep his mouth shut, but was kind of braggy or, or insecure. Then we see him in prison, and how he did mature through these struggles, not just as a person, but in faith, always pointing to God, even though the circumstances were not good. And now we are just moving into the last stage of his life, where he is totally in power, totally in control, and... What is he going to do now as a leader? And before I say more about that, we'll turn to where we were and where we're going to be in the book of Genesis with Joseph in the last part of his life. Last week's episode, we found the food running out once again in Jacob's house. He sent, <coughs> excuse me, he sent his sons once again down. They trembling because Simeon was a captive down there and they had to bring bound Benjamin because otherwise the governor wouldn't give him any food. They were rather nervous about this episode of uh, going before the governor for food, but they did anyway. And when in front of the governor, he had a dinner for them. Oh, dear me. And at the dinner, Benjamin was treated like a prince. Then they were sent on their way. All seemed fine until the servant came rushing after them, asking, Where is my master's silver cup? In looking at all the bags of food... It was found hidden away in Benjamin's bag. Dragged back before the governor, the governor proclaimed to them, What is this you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find out things by divination?
what is Joseph up to here? I mean, first, he sets his brother up for trouble, <laughs> the brother that he loves most of all. Mm-hmm. And then he says, divination. Yeah. Um, the last I knew, there wasn't supposed to be any kind of divination. Right, right. Well, as part of the cover-up, he is trying to act like people of Egypt. And I think that's really why he talked about divination. He doesn't want these brothers to know this is Joseph. He is totally, totally guising himself as someone from Egypt because he wants to know exactly what they are thinking and going to do. Because remember, last week it also said he understood them when they were speaking Hebrew, even though he was speaking Egyptian all the time. And so he was just keeping this uh, hidden uh, masquerade of of an Egyptian governor. And we're going to find out why. There's possibly two ends here. Take revenge and slaughter them all. Just take Benjamin or maybe something else. Well, let's just read on and find out what happens. That's a good idea. Starting with verse 16. What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied. What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the one who was found to have the cup. But Joseph said, Far be it from me to do such a thing. Only the man who was found to have the cup will become my slave. Hmm. The rest of you... Go back to your father in peace. Wow, there's a couple things going on here I think are really intriguing. First, he's sending the rest of them back. Maybe he does just want Benjamin. Mm. But what's also amazing is Jacob spoke up, not Reuben the oldest. You mean Judah spoke up. I'm sorry, yes, Judah. Judah spoke up. The old, not the oldest. He's the, he's the shyster, the one who actually instigated the whole selling into slavery of mm-hmm. his brother Joseph. But what's also astounding to me is in the light of all this evidence, Judas said, we're innocent, but how can we prove it? For we are guilty. Yeah, I didn't get that. Well, the cup was there. There's no doubt they were guilty. He acknowledges that the cup was there. Mm. And yet he's saying, none of them took it. They're honest men. But yet, it's there. You know, this sounds vaguely familiar. How's that? Well... Isn't there a verse in the New Testament somewhere that says something about he became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness? Yes, there is. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, right after it says, we are now a new creation. Be reconciled to God. Oh, be reconciled. That means being made friends again. Mm. And uh, that certainly happens uh, when anger and guilt is removed. So, Yeah, that does fit. And 
Judah was saying, I'm innocent, but I'm guilty. That's really what Jesus said too. I'm innocent, but I'm guilty. And, and re, 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 quote again the verse you just quoted? Uh, this isn't the exact words, but... I think it is. He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. That we might become his righteousness. I think it's actually that we might become the righteousness, of, have oh. the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is Jesus did that transfer even though he didn't have to. Yeah. So Judah was innocent, but proclaimed guilty. Hmm. Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. You could say Judah's a a, 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 a prefiguring of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, but the human race, on the other hand, all of us, we aren't just proclaimed guilty. We are guilty. We are. Of sin, and yet through Jesus Christ, we are proclaimed innocent. Judah continues to speak to the governor of Egypt concluding his plea to him in verse 33 and then We'll continue on in chapter 45, the next chapter as well. Please, let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy, that is Benjamin, and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that will come upon my father. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. And do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father, and say to him, 
This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds, and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. Emotional. Mm-hmm. But why reveal himself now? It was a tipping point. It was because Judah was the one who spoke in defense of this young brother Benjamin. Not Reuben, who's obligated because he's the oldest. Not any of the others, but Judah, the scoundrel that wanted to kill Joseph and who sold him into slavery. He was now speaking strong words of defense and protection for Benjamin. With those words, Joseph realized that his brother Judah had grown up, had grown up, had had a change of heart, and truly was now a man who followed God. You said earlier that Judah is like a type of Christ. Yeah, shadowing, showing what Christ would do. Mm-hmm. But not only that, Judah is the forefather of Christ. It's through his yeah. line that Jesus Christ came into the world. Mm-hmm. And so we find that as God worked, not only in the life of Judah to change his heart, to be compassionate for his father and his brother, but we see Joseph also has fully matured, a man of God and a man of faith who was looking to take care of his family. He was a spoiled brat to start with. Yes, he was. But then he was in, while in prison, those many years languishing, he learned to trust God and realize it's not circumstances that make or break a person, it's the relationship with God. And it just so happened that God raised him up to use him. But even if he hadn't, I think Joseph would have remained a, a man of faith and died in prison. But God did have something else in mind, and so God raised him up, and that did not change Joseph. I really wondered if it would change him to be angry at his brothers, take revenge on his brothers. He certainly was powerful <laughs> enough to do it. Yes, he could have. But he didn't. But his heart remained true also to God, trusting not only that God would 
forgive and love him as he had, but forgive and love the brothers. And he realized that God was working through him to help his brothers as well as his father, his father, Jacob. Rights here. I gotta go out and, and, and get ready for it. Okay. Sorry about so, that. Yeah, um, you you're, going. you're gonna finish things and wrap it up. Sure, but but I don't do forget that. to uh, uh, finish the story. You know, okay. um, right. uh, did Jacob come down? Mm-hmm. Um, did he believe that it was Joseph? Um, uh, you know, um, wrap it up. What's the theme of the book? Summarize the whole book. Oh, okay. um, uh, you know, and then oh, oh oh, you can't forget to give the email address. You know, the the uh, info info at not dash alone dot okay. net. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, and and oh, oh, uh, oh, oh, okay. Um, Gotta go. Bye. Before you go. Yes, yes. Quick say it. Oh, we, we are, are not, not alone. alone. But now I am. So I'll continue as she mothered me along with all of that stuff. Joseph told Pharaoh all that had happened, and Pharaoh was very pleased to hear about it, and was gracious, and said, please bring your family down. So Joseph sent his brothers back to Jacob, who's usually called now Israel, remember the name changed back in chapter 33, but he also did two things when he sent his brothers up. One, says in chapter 45, verse 24, now on the way, don't quarrel. <laughs> I think he knew his brothers quite well. They were probably overwhelmed, surprised, scared, and he just wanted them to go and come back. No quarreling. Hmm. Second thing he did was sent uh, several carts of gifts to his father. That is very interesting, because Pharaoh also said, don't send anything, they can have the best of, of Egypt. But yet Joseph sent gifts. Well, when the, the ten, I'm sorry, the eleven came to um, Jacob, Israel, and said, your son Joseph's alive and he is the governor of Egypt, Jacob didn't believe him. But when he saw the carts of the gifts, he believed him. I had to scratch my head and think, why was that? But then I remembered, and maybe you'll remember, Jacob sent gifts ahead of him to meet Esau, one after another. And it was the gifts that convinced Esau that his brother was sincere. His heart had changed. And so it was these gifts that helped Jacob believe it was Joseph and that he was alive. So they all came down. On the way, it notes that Jacob stopped at Beersheba and offered a sacrifice to God. And in that process, God came to him in a vision at night and said, Don't be afraid to go down to Egypt. I will give you safe travel and I will bring you back. I can't help but wonder, especially once that vision came, If Jacob was a little scared, he was leaving the land that Abraham, Isaac, and he had heard about from God, and now he was leaving it, but what other choice did he have with the famine and all? I'm sure he was relieved to hear 
God's message to him. And so they arrived in Egypt. Jacob presented himself to Pharaoh, as Joseph invited him to do, and the Pharaoh graciously received him. Jacob was 110 years old. I'm sorry, 130 years old at this time. In chapter 47, an extremely interesting thing is noted, and it, it's almost there as a afterthought or stuck in the middle, but it will have great impact even as history goes on. As the famine went on, it notes that the people came to Joseph, the governor, asking for food. And he said, sure, and he uh, asked for money. But then after a year, their money ran out, and they came back again. We have nothing because you have taken our money. Joseph said, How about your livestock as payment? And they agreed. The next year they came back and said, We have no money, we have no livestock, but we are starving. If we die in this famine, what good will that do for you? Take our very bodies and our land as payment. And Joseph said, very fine. And he said, from here on, one-fifth of all you plant will be Pharaoh's. And it notes that this was in place to this very day. And that would be meaning many years later, as in the writing of this, the time of Moses, 400 years later. It goes then back to the story of Jacob, named Israel. Seventeen years later, he was on his deathbed. He called for Joseph and all his kids, and he blessed them. It's amazing also, just a simple note on these blessings, and he goes through all twelve of the sons. With Reuben, Simeon, and Levi, you may remember Reuben slept with one of Jacob's wives, Simeon and Levi did a terrible thing in killing many people when they were circumcised and in pain. These are alluded to as the blessings aren't really a blessing, but a removal of the blessing given them by their father. But Judah is called the lion, and that the scepter will not remove, be removed from him, and that from him will come a great king. And of course, that's the promise of Jesus. And here we have that blessing given by Jacob that it would fall upon Judah. When he died, as asked, he was then taken up to Canaan and buried in the very same cave as Abraham and Sarah and then Jacob's parents, Isaac and Rebekah, and also then Rachel, his wife. I'm sorry, not Rachel, but uh, Leah his wife. They were accompanied by a huge parade, a funeral procession of the Egyptians with their chariots and arms. Quite a scene. Quite a scene. And when they returned, the brothers spoke to one another and said, so that Joseph now doesn't 
have a grudge against us and the father is gone to stop him from hurting us. Let's speak to him. And so they did and said, your father has asked that you forgive your brothers the evil they had done. What's amazing is in chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph once again repeats, You meant it for harm, but God intended it for good, for the salvation of many, which is now happening. Don't be afraid. Joseph truly saw what took place with his going down to Egypt as God's hand to work good. That's a promise we have in Romans chapter 8, 28. All things work together for good for those who love God. Certainly, Joseph loved God. Certainly, those 11, well, the 10, not including Benjamin, were afraid. But Joseph tried to remove their fear and give them comfort. And that really is the message you and I have. We don't need to be afraid. God brings us comfort. Which brings us finally to then the entire meaning and purpose and message of Genesis. God worked everything and it was good as we saw in creation and everything he had done. But man sinned and made evil. And then we see that enacted again and again and again, and most recently as the brothers sold Joseph into slavery, and from that evil comes fear, even as the brothers were afraid of what they do. But God works it for good. Working with man. That really is the entire meaning of the book of Genesis when you stop to think about it. God made it and it was good. Man messed it up. But God worked it again for our good. And I hope you have enjoyed the book of Genesis as much as Cecilia and I have enjoyed uh, walking with you with this journey. Next week we'll start a, a new book. Please come back and join us then. Always, you can write us at Info, I-N-F-O, at not-alone.net. And always, we are not alone. Do come back again to room 4216.